that. So thankful. Many times I have I thought, Lord, what's going on here? This is not supposed to be happening. Things have gotten out of control. <laughs> and then later on, I look back and I'm like, oh no, he knew it. He knew what he was doing again. And I've said it before, and I've said it again. Some of the uh, my things I am most thankful for are the prayers that I prayed that God did not answer, because what I wanted. Um, would not have helped me out. And uh, later on I realized that. And fortunately when I was whining and complaining about that, you know, God didn't give me what I wanted and didn't listen to me and did what He knew was best. And then later on, well, you know, right. boy, if we, we, need to, we need to remember that whenever we're going through those times because they're going to come quite a bit. So, well, we're going to go to Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19 today and verse 7. And I love this passage of Scripture. It's just a beautiful passage of Scripture. And um, there's actually uh, some folks uh, there. I don't know who wrote it, but there's they put music to this. And uh, I love it. The music to it's it's beautiful. But um, I'm not going to try singing it right now because I don't like singing a cappella. But I, I just I love this passage of Scripture. And I, I want to use it to kind of. Um, I'm going to read just part of it now, and then I'll read the rest a little later. Now tell you what I'm going to be preaching about today. But it says in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. What a beautiful passage of Scripture here we see just about the law of God and how it is perfect. I mean, this when we read the Bible and we see those commandments in there, it shouldn't put a bad taste in our mouth. When we read the commandments of God, it shouldn't cause us to get offended and upset. We ought to love it. We ought to desire it. And I know with our sin natures that we have, um, you know, there's going to be some things in there that maybe don't really set well with us and things that we don't necessarily like. But this, it's not because the law is bad. It's because we're bad. It's not because the law is flawed. It's because we're flawed. This book that we have, it's a perfect book. It's a wonderful book. And it warns us against sin and going against it. It says in that last verse we read, Moreover by them, talking about the law of God, is thy servant warned. It's a warning. And many times when we get to talking about sin and the dangers of sin and the consequences of sin, you know, people get they get all upset and they act like that religion and Christians are all about you know, pouring out judgment on people, and if you do this, this is going to happen to you. And that's not what it's all about. Okay, but there is consequences for sin, and God has warned us. He's trying to protect us. God telling you not to sin is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. People look at it as a negative, but it's not really a negative. I think it's a very positive message. If I was to tell Allie, my three-year-old, that she's not allowed to play on a busy street, you all wouldn't say, well, you're just being negative. I think that's a pretty positive uh, thing to tell her because I'm pretty positive if she plays out in the street, she's probably going to get hurt real fast. And there's nothing really negative about that. And the sins that God has told us to stay away from, I wouldn't necessarily look at that as a negative thing. 
It's very positive things because there's consequences for sin and it will bring great pain to our life. And then notice in verse um, 12, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. This is He's talking about himself here. It's like, we all have things that we, because we're sinners, sometimes we sin and we don't even know that we're sinning. Sometimes we maybe you break a law uh, of God. You, you didn't know it was in the Bible. You didn't know you weren't supposed to do that, especially before you were saved, before you started coming to church. I mean, there may be some in here you've broken laws of our land before and you didn't realize that you were breaking the law. First time I ever got a speeding ticket, I was only going 50. I didn't realize it was 25. And I didn't I didn't really notice. I wasn't paying attention and I was wasn't familiar with the area and I went into this small town and the speed limit drops real quick and I just wasn't thinking about it, wasn't paying attention until I saw the police officer and then I'm looking for a speed limit sign and I saw it and I'm like, I'm in trouble and I was in trouble. I got a ticket. And I didn't know I was breaking the law, but I was just the same. And uh, my ignorance did not get me out of that ticket. And our ignorance of sin is not going to get us out of the consequences of sins. But he said, cleanse me from secret faults. He, want, he didn't even want to sin on accident. And then he said, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Presumptuous sins. That's sins that you do on purpose. That's things that you know that they're wrong. You know it's against the Word of God or you know it's against the law. But you do it anyway. He said, protect me from those. And let's just be honest, but we don't, we don't just sin on accident around here. Sometimes we sin on purpose. We know full well what we're doing. And He said, keep me from the great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. What I want to talk about today, just briefly, I want to ask you a question. This kind of goes off a message that I was preaching on Wednesday. But are all sins equal? Are all sins equal? You know, because one of the things that I thought about maybe doing is putting a series of messages together. And if I did, this was going to be the first one of messages I promise you won't hear from the TV evangelist. (laughs) Just things that they won't preach on. But you know, people love to hear things like this. And and a lot of this is, I mean, is pretty true. I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of it. I hear about it all the time. That, you know, we're all sinners. And it really doesn't matter what your sin is as long as you understand that you're a sinner. I mean, you know, yeah, you might be uh, this kind of person. You might be living that kind of But I'm a sinner too. And you know, in the sight of God, a sin's a sin. I mean, it does say in the Bible, in 1 John chapter 2, Verse one and uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself there, but there are many scriptures that kind of back that attitude up. And what basically what they're trying to do is, you know, I'm not going to get on to you for any of your sins because I'm a sinner too, and that would be hypocritical of me to do that. You know, we just need to love each other. We just need to all care, and, and you know, if there's certain groups out there that maybe we don't agree with, we just need to understand that they're sinners and we're sinners too. And boy, and that just doesn't that sound wonderful? And man, some of these preachers they'll do that, and you can you could have just been out and been drunk the night before and cheated on your wife, and you go to that church and you'll feel good when you leave. And they won't they won't they don't want to name sins. They don't want to get specific. And they and say, well, isn't all that true? Well, yeah, it does say in James chapter two, 
verse 8 through 11, it says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So, it is true. If you are, if there's a murderer out there, he's guilty of breaking the law of God, isn't he? He deserves to go to hell. But if you back talk your mom when you were three years old, you sin too, and you deserve to go to hell. And that, that is true. If you have sinned at all, say, so, well, I haven't done any of the big sins. I haven't, broke, I haven't broken any of the big ones that people like to say. Therefore, I'm still going to heaven. It doesn't matter. When it comes to eternal damnation, any sin will qualify us for that. That is absolutely true. When it comes to deserving hell, any sin qualifies. And what these preachers that are trying to make everybody feel good about their sin need to say is, you know what? Yeah, that, that sin, it will separate you from Christ. It has separated you from Christ. If you, do not, if you do not call on Christ for salvation and ask Him to forgive you, you will die and spend eternity in hell. Whether you're a murderer or whether you spit on the sidewalk, you are a sinner and you deserve to go to hell. That is true. It all, any sin makes you a sinner. Jesus had to die on the cross for every sin. First John 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things ride unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ had to die for every sin. And so you can't go pick, you know, saying one sin's worse than another and picking on somebody else's sin. And when we're all sinners, Jesus had to die for every sin, and so it doesn't really matter. And so let's not make anybody feel bad. And we're not trying to make people feel bad. But you know what? You preach the Scriptures, sometimes people are going to feel bad. Because there's a lot of convicting stuff in there. And you know what? It's also true that there is no sin that necessarily makes you more deserving of hell. First John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Boy, that's pretty strong right there. The Bible says if you just hate your brother, you're a murderer. The Bible also says in Matthew 5.27, Ye have heard that it was said of them by old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in her heart already. So we also see that I mean, just committing sins in the heart is sin. So, I mean, these things are all true that when it comes to eternal damnation, we're all sinners and we all deserve to go to hell. But that, that's still, but my question is, are all sins equal? Because there are sins that if committed, um, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that was what we were talking about Wednesday, the Apostle Paul, I'm not, we're not going to go through all that, but if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul named several sins that are not to be amongst the members of the church. And there was, a, there was a man who had committed one of these sins. A man who was a fornicator that Paul told him, you need to remove him from the church. And people hear that and they think, well, that's terrible. How could they do that? Because they're all sinners in that church. But I'm telling you, there's some stuff that the Bible says should not be once named among you as become a saint's. There are sins that I mean we should not have any part of. And listen, if you do one of those sins, 
You can be restored. You can be forgiven. I'm talking about living in continual open sin to continually be doing something and to think that there shouldn't be any consequences for it or nothing should change or everybody should be okay with it. We've got people in our country today that are sinners and they are. it is their mission to make the whole world okay with their sin. And you know what? We're not going to do that. I'm not going to go and support a group sins. Okay? Just like if I have a temper problem, I'm not going to go and have marches asking people to be tolerant towards those who have tempers. Okay? So I punch somebody in the nose. Well, I can't. That's because I have a temper. That's not my fault. That's who I am. I was born that way. I was. Hey, you know, my, my kids, they got that. Tommy, when he was, he was passing out when he'd get angry, just from the time he was little, he'd get mad and he'd hold his breath and pass out. And he got, you know, temper problem. And he was born that way. People should be accepting. And if somebody gets hurt because of that, well, that's just, oh well, you know, that's, they need to be tolerant. How dare anybody say anything against that? But you know, in one of those sins, by the way, that Paul mentioned was a railer. Somebody who's getting in fights with people and having contention with people all the time. That's something that should not be going on. So throughout the Bible, we see that there are some sins that are worse than others. We see David in the passage in Psalms already said to keep me from the great transgression. Throughout the Bible, we see this. In Exodus 20, we see the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. These were really important ones. These were, I mean, these were things that they, God especially, wanted them to follow. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not honor thy father and mother. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All those, God, those were important. Those are the Ten Commandments that God put special emphasis on. That God Himself went and carved them into a rock with His very finger and gave to them to keep and to put in the Ark of the Covenant. They were special. Those were important. You say, well, you know, I know it says, you know, thou shalt not kill, but God said if you just hate somebody in your heart, you're a murderer. Well, let me ask you the question though. Would you rather have somebody murder you in their heart or murder you for real? Okay. Because the fact is, there are different consequences for different sins. And that's what we're really talking about. All sins will, sin separates us from God. All sin Jesus had to die on the cross for. All sin makes us guilty and we deserve to go to hell. All sin needs to be forgiven. All sin can be forgiven. However, throughout the Bible, we see that some sins are worse than others and will bring greater harm and greater consequences here on this earth. And I'm sorry, but there is just no denying that. There's no getting around that. There are some things that God hates more than others. For example, in Proverbs chapter six, go ahead and turn over to Proverbs chapter six. We see another example. We've you know we've got the Ten Commandments that God gave. He put special emphasis on. God didn't write the rest of the law. God gave it to Moses to write down. But the Ten Commandments, He wrote it down Himself. And boy, that's why I would love it. if they ever find that Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments are supposed to be in there. I mean, can you imagine seeing God's actual handwriting on something? Man, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, what a fine that would be, and what a uh, neat thing to see. But God Himself wrote those down because they were that important. He was asked by one, He said, What is the greatest commandment? And He told them. 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Second, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There were things that were more important than others. In Proverbs chapter 6, we see... I didn't even turn over there. I got you all over there and I'm not there yet. Proverbs chapter 6, six things that the Lord hates. There are some things that God just especially gets upset about, things that He just can't stand. And in verse 16, it says, These six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven, are an abomination. And the seventh is an abomination. An abomination is something that literally makes God sick. It's something that, I mean, it sickens the Lord. He doesn't call every sin an abomination. But there are some that He does. And six things that the Lord hates. He hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and in that seventh, the abomination, he that soweth discord among the brethren. Well, God hates all that stuff. He hates to see that. He hates seeing hands shed innocent blood. It angers him. It will cause his. It's many times sins like that in the Bible. We see it would bring his wrath down on nations and on people. We see abominations especially. God wiped out cities because of abominations that took place in there. In the Old Testament, we see examples after example of abominations. Things that were an abomination to God. Things that maybe we don't they don't sicken us. Maybe even things that some people even like, but they literally make God sick. An abomination. Revelation chapter 21 Verse 6, go ahead and turn over there. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. It says, And He said, said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Remember, this is New Testament. A lot of this other stuff is Old Testament. Sometimes people say, well, that was just Old Testament. Well, here's some New Testament. Revelation, second to last chapter in the Bible. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. What are the abominable? You can go to the Old Testament and find out. That hasn't changed. And the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Notice all those things that God names there. He puts special emphasis on these sins because these ones here, you can find other places in the New Testament where it says they're not even to be once named among you. Idolaters. And that was another thing too that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5. That will get you... That You cannot have any of that going on in the church. Not just in the church house, but amongst the people in the church. People worshiping of idols. And He names off all these things. And notice that one that says, "...and all liars." And what many people will do that like to justify sin and make sure nobody feels bad about sin is they will use that passage and say, but notice it says all liars. Well, how many in here have ever told a lie before? Everybody's got to raise their hand. Everybody's probably told a lie or two in their time. Well, if you've ever told a lie, you know what that makes you? A liar. Just like if you've ever killed anybody, what does that make you? It makes you a murderer. So, it's like, well, that that just means everybody. So, again, this there's not, there's not greater emphasis on this sin here. Well, actually, what is the definition there of a liar? Because the best dictionary for the Bible 
is the Bible itself. Alright? Not, not even the Webster's 1828. The Bible itself is the best dictionary of itself. And in 1 John, um, 1 John chapter 2, the same John that wrote the book of Revelation there, he defines a liar for us. He defines what it is. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, says, Who is a liar? Okay, you want to know? All right, how do we know what a liar is? This is a kid that told his mommy he didn't take a cookie from the cookie jar, but but he did. He's got chocolate all over his face. Is he the liar? Is this person that told the police officer that it wasn't him speeding? Is he the liar? No, it says, "Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father." And the Son, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Anybody that's going to heaven is going through Jesus Christ. They called on Jesus Christ for salvation. They asked Him for forgiveness. They believed, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And basically what that passage there is saying in Revelation is all those big sins that people do, you know, people that are murdering people, I mean, they're not saved, okay? So what if some, what if I get saved and I go kill 14 people? Listen, if you get saved and the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you, you're not going to go out murdering people, okay? If you are, you are a liar because you're, we see that also in 1 John. That's another message right there. You're not really saved. Well, this person, they got saved and they went and started worshiping idols. Then they didn't really get saved. They're a liar. And the Bible says, here in 1 John, anybody who does not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Messiah, anybody who does not call on Him for salvation is going to die and go to hell. This isn't just trying to cast everybody into this group. This is a separate group that we are not in. If you're saved today, you believe that Jesus Christ is a Savior. You've acknowledged Christ. Therefore, you have the Father. You are not the liar that this is talking about here. And none of us, if we're going to heaven, want to be in any of these categories. And now the truth is, there are people who have been abominable that God has saved. But you know, He gives them victory over that sin. There are murderers out there that God has saved and that are in heaven today. But they're not murdering anymore. And we, and so we see, I mean, there's so many more examples that we can give in the Bible, but just because any sin causes us to deserve hell doesn't mean that all sins are equal. There are different consequences for different sins. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30, it says, Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. So is it okay to steal when you're hungry? No. We see here it's still a pretty bad sin. But God said, He said, don't despise him. It says, because here it says, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. So even somebody who steals because of hunger, God says they ought to pay sevenfold. I mean, even if they have to give everything they own, that's the consequences for stealing because stealing is bad. But then it says in verse 32, but whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Well, that sounds a little worse than paying sevenfold, doesn't it? That sounds quite a bit worse because there are greater consequences for that sin. 
If you steal from me, that's going to hurt me financially. It's going to hurt my feelings. I'm going to feel bad. But if my wife commits adultery on me, that's going to hurt me a whole lot worse, isn't it? If I do, it's going to it's going to hurt me a whole lot worse. I'm going to lose everything. I mean, it's going to it's going to it would destroy my life if I did that. It says in verse 33, "A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. People will never forget it, even if I do right after that." And promise never to do it again. I don't ever do it again. It's always going to be in the back of people's minds. It's always going to hurt my reputation. That's the pastor that did this. So yeah, he's never done it again. That was one time. It was 20 years ago. But it doesn't get wiped away. The consequences are worse. For jealousy is the rage of man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. We see here just an example of different sins causing different consequences. And that's what we're talking about whenever we get to just hitting some sins really hard. There are some things that will destroy your life. There are some things that will ruin your day. Some sins, it'll mess your day up. Some sins, it can get you put away in jail for years. Some sins will end your life. Some sins will end the lives of other people. And there, there are different consequences for different sins. And this attitude of all sins are the same, therefore nobody say anything bad about anybody else's sins, is just another way of people trying to justify their own sin. And listen, we don't, we don't pick on sins just to pick on people. Okay, when we preach against certain sins, it's not that we don't like, that we don't like the group out there doing the sins. It's just, you know, I don't care about them. They're not here today to listen to this message, but you are. And what it does to them, it will do to you. And therefore, hey, I want to, I want to warn people. I do the same thing with my children. I'll see other people, other kids maybe doing things that they shouldn't do. I can't do anything about them other kids, but I'll tell my kids, you see what's happening there. That will happen to you. That's what sin does. It, and it, it will, it will ruin your life. It will get you put behind bars. It will it will put you in an early grave. And so I know we're all sinners, but there are some things that we should just make sure that we never touch, and things that we ought to loathe, and things that we ought to hate, and things that we ought to stand strong against. The Apostle Paul, and then in Romans chapter seven. I remember when we when we moved out here, when we were out visiting. I probably had two or three different people. I don't know if this is. From some message that's in like one of the popular books that everybody's reading these days, or if everybody I was talking to came from the same church, but I kept getting quotes from Romans chapter seven with the Apostle Paul, and people love this passage of scripture, and for the wrong reasons. Okay, but let's read so you know what I'm talking about. In Romans chapter seven, verse fourteen says, "For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal." And this is Paul talking about. Sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. This gets real confusing, the wording and everything here. But what Paul's saying, I don't want to be bad, but I'm still bad. Okay, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do good, but no matter what I do, that even when I'm doing good, there's still bad in me. That evil's always present with me. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. 
Now then it is no more I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I would have people quote some of these verses to me. It's like, you know, I don't like, you know, and their attitude is, you know, I don't like the fact that I'm a drunkard, but, you know, I don't want to be, but I'm just, I'm just like Paul, I guess. Paul, he wanted to be good too, but boy, that sin was just always present with him. And then, and here's my question, if that's your attitude. I understand Paul, you know, he meant exactly what he said here. But what was Paul before he got saved? Well, he was a persecutor of the church, wasn't he? Now, let me ask you, after he got saved, did he keep persecuting the church? No. <laughs> after he got saved, he started preaching, didn't he? After he, st- after he got saved, those, th- those big things that he, used, that he used to do, I mean, killing Christians, the taking, delivering Christians to prison, he didn't keep doing that. He didn't say, well, I know, I'm glad I'm saved now, and boy, I sure would like to stop attacking the church and start helping the church, but you know, I'm just a sinner like everybody else. That wasn't his attitude. You know what his attitude was? In Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What Paul was saying in this scripture here is that you know what? Me personally, I'm a sinner. I'm rotten to the core. The only reason there's anything good about me is because Jesus Christ dwells in me. And He gives me victory over myself. That's why he said in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul quit killing Christians, not because of Paul's great willpower. Paul quit doing the sins he was doing before, not because he went to a great rehabilitation program to get off of certain sins. It was because of Jesus Christ that was in him. But when it came to Paul himself, he still was a sinner. Paul himself still had problems, but God gave him victory over those old sins. That's why Paul was able to win thousands and maybe even millions of people to Christ. That's why Paul was able to go around. He was able to heal people and did one miracle after another. That's why Paul was able to take the beatings and the imprisonments that he took and was still able to be faithful to God because Jesus Christ dwelled in him. And that, the way people are interpreting Romans chapter 7, I'm sorry, it just is butchering the Word of God. We are not supposed to have that attitude. I'm like Paul. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to quit cheating on my wife. I'm trying to quit killing people. I'm trying to quit breaking the Ten Commandments. I'm sorry. If you're saved, I think the Holy Spirit can help you with those things. And He will help you with those things. He'll give you the victory over those sins. And people today are just... That's not even what they're looking for. I read an article yesterday. I probably should have printed it out. And read it from Fox News. It was on Fox News. I think it was something Mike. I think Mike Huckabee put it together. But just talking about this generation and how they're going farther and farther away from religion. And he was basically saying much of the reason for that was because they they don't like the rules that are in there. They don't like the things that they are not supposed to do. They're liking the sin that they are involved in. And you know what? Churches are figuring that out. Churches that preach against sin, 
have a harder time getting people in than those who don't make everybody feel good about it. And so they're going and twisting the Scripture in ways that are horrible and they've got people in their church that are drunkards. And the Bible says that no drunkard shall inherit eternal life and they've never said a word against it. They've never spoke out against it. They've never read that verse in Revelation, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and all liars. They've not read that. They've got people in their church that think you can go to heaven really through any of the religions. I talked to somebody one time, they go to a church where people of all religions can go there and worship together. You can be Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be Catholic, all those religions. I'm thinking, wait a minute. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. How can somebody who denies that Jesus is the Christ, how do they worship together? You can't. They would be a liar. They're going, I don't know if I want to worship with the group that's heading for hell. I'm not trying to pick on other groups. I'm not trying to say that we're better. But I guess what I'm trying to say today is, and what we always say around here, and I know you all believe, is the Scripture is the final authority on everything. And this attitude of shying away from speaking out against sin and about making excuses for people and taking Scriptures and misusing them to make people feel good about sin is absolutely wicked. There are consequences for sins. And the reason many people have the wrong idea about big sins and little sins is they just have no desire to remove certain sins from their lives. That wasn't the attitude of David. It certainly wasn't the attitude of Paul. Paul wasn't feeling good about what he said there. Paul, he, you know what he said? Well, I, I didn't read the verse, but he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. He wished that he was like Christ. He wished that when he was doing good, sometimes he was just doing good because that's what you were supposed to do. He didn't feel like it. But you know what? That's sin. And he didn't want to sin. I mean, these things that Paul's talking about are what we would call very little things. And Paul hated himself for that. Oh, wretched man that I am. He wasn't making himself and trying to make other people feel good about their sin. That was not the attitude of Paul. And it shouldn't be our attitude. It ought to be our desire like David there in Psalms. Lord, keep me from secret faults. Hey Lord, if I'm sinning, I want to know about it. When we were driving here to church today, we were driving along and all of a sudden we saw a policeman. And I wasn't sure what the speed limit was. I was like, what's the speed limit? Am I speeding? Am I breaking the law? <laughs> is it because I just want to be a good law-abiding citizen? In that case, it was because I didn't want to take it. But I, unfortunately, I was obeying the law. I was, I, was, I was driving the speed limit. But David, that was his attitude. I don't even want to be sinning on accident. And he said, Lord, keep me from the presumptuous sins. Stop me from sinning on purpose. Keep me from the great transgression. Because... This same attitude that says all sins are the same, you know, don't pick on anybody's sins, and we're not trying to pick on people, okay? We're trying to help ourselves here. We're talking about, we're talking about ourselves here. This people, these days, they think there should be no consequences for anything. That's the way they're raised. I mean, we got kids that grow up, they go to school, their teacher gives them an F, their parents go and chew out the teacher instead of, you know, chewing out their kid. You know, teachers, they, you know, they're not allowed to discipline kids hardly anymore. They get it, if they give their kid a detention, the parents are going to go chew them out. Hey, my kid shouldn't get any consequences. Their kid gets a little older. They break the law. They throw them in jail. Parents go bail them out of jail. And people are growing up in life thinking there's no consequences for anything. 
And we think there should be no consequence for our sin. But there are consequences. Some of the stuff that's going on out there today, I know the news media doesn't talk about, but you know what? There's diseases that come with it. The Bible talks about some of the abominations that the the people did in the land there with the children of Israel. And God said the land itself doth vomit them up. You know why? They were getting sick, they were getting diseases, and they were dying off because of their abominations. It was killing them. And it, it, sin will kill us too. We've, we've got to teach people there's consequences for things. I'll close with this story. You might think I'm a mean parent because of this, but I remember uh, when Tommy and Jason were pretty little, they were over at mom and dad's house. It was in the fall and they had a big apple tree and there's all these apples in the ground. You know, there's just apples everywhere. And Dad told the boys if they'd get rid of some of those apples, you know, he'd pay them some money. And I remember Tommy, boy, he got all excited and went and worked real hard and got rid of a bunch of apples. You know, he didn't tell them they had to. Jason decided he'd rather keep playing video games. And I remember Dad gave Tommy some money and uh, Jason didn't get any. And Jason didn't think much of it, but we were driving by Wendy's and they had these new this new type of Frosty out. And Tommy said he wanted one and wanted to buy one with his money. He just got us burning a hole in his pocket. And so we said, alright, you can do it. And he went to go buy one and Jason's like, I don't remember how old he was, maybe five or something. He's like, I want one. He had a real high voice back then. And I was like, do you have any money? I said, no, Paul didn't give me any money. Well, yeah, he didn't give me any money because you didn't do any work. You played video games. And, and he was devastated. He's crying. And we told him, so Jason, hey, that's life. You don't work. You don't eat. <laughs> There's consequences for being lazy. You chose the video games. He chose to do the work. He gets, he gets the frosty. You get nothing. And next time Dad asked him to do apples, he was out there helping. <laughs> There's consequences for being lazy. And we've always tried to teach our kids that. And there are consequences. And some for some sins, they're horrible. They're, they're horrible. Telling a lie is always bad. But you know what? Go tell a lie in court. It's a lot worse, isn't it? It'll get you in bigger trouble. Greater consequences. Hate somebody in your heart? That's wrong. It'll have consequences. You'll be a more miserable person. Kill somebody? You'll be in jail. You'll really be miserable. So I hope you understand why we hit so hard on certain sins because there are horrible consequences. We want to avoid those. So let's all stand together.